0: If you can take your seat, I'll open us up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you that we can gather together and discuss your word. I pray that you help us as we uh, seek to honor you in the way that we rest. Help us to uh, understand biblical principles and, and obey those as we uh, think through and apply wisdom in how we rest in our day-to-day lives. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So today, I hope, is our our last uh, lesson on rest. And um, we've been going through what scripture has to say for the past six lessons. And today we're going to do like a full definition of rest, which will kind of be like an overview, but we're just going to fly through it because we've we've heard it before Um, and then talk about how. So based on all that, how should we rest today? And so that's our that's our plan. Um, and so we'll just get into it. So this is our definition of rest and so this is very similar to what I showed earlier except all the the subpoints are kind of filled out now and instead of summarizing what a text says, I'm trying to pull out principles that we use that we can apply to our own lives and so as we go through that, that's kind of what these these subpoints are. But our definition of rest is that it's a provision of God to refresh us from our weariness And God gives us rest in two main categories, and that's work and suffering. And so first, I want you to note that rest is a provision of God. God's the one that provides it. So we can start all the way at the end. So who provides ultimate rest? It would be God in heaven for believers, right? And then we can kind of walk back from that. So in our lives, uh, God's the one that provides rest. You see people cry out to him throughout scripture for rest. Um, you see him command his people to rest, and he's the one that grants it. The psalmist confirmed that God grants rest. Um, and I also want you to be thinking about this, especially as we go through today, that rest really in our lives is a reprieve from the curse. Um, it's a kind of a foreshadowing of the final rest that we have in heaven Um, God wants to refresh us from our weariness. Um, God doesn't get tired and weary but we do and he knows that. Um, So rest as a need is unique to us. God God doesn't need it. It's unique to his creation and specifically because of the fall. That's why we get so weary um, both from work because of the Genesis 3 curse and then suffering in general which is just due to sin And it can be sin on on our part. So consequences of our sin that we're suffering through. It can be someone else who sinned against us and that's why we're suffering. Or it can just be because we live in a fallen world and because things are difficult, because we get sick, because we get hurt. Um, All of these different things that might not be our fault. It's not because of our own sin, but just because we live in a sinful world. So just think about the care, um, the love, compassion of God to to desire his people to rest, to get some type of reprieve from that curse in our life. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. So, God gives rest, and we need rest. So, as you go through this, I want you to kind of be thinking about that. So, the first thing that God gives rest from is rest from work. And we'll, just, we'll outline that, and then we'll outline rest from suffering. And for this first section, I'm going, to, I'm going to try to go really fast so that we have time um, at the back end to discuss how we apply this in our lives. But I think this is important. Um, so the first thing, there's five points here about rest from work, five principles that we learn from scripture about this category. So the first is that rest, which we'll call refreshment from work, in the, as far as it applies to work, is good. Right. We know that God rested one day after creating for six days, see that in Genesis 2. Um, we know that his rest provided refreshment for himself. We see that in Exodus 31:17, And even though he didn't need rest as far as getting weary, he still did it. It's still good. And we also know that he wants um, us to have rest. So in Exodus um, 23 12, he says six days you are to do work. But on the seventh day you shall cease from labor so that your ox and your donkey may rest. And the son of your female slave as well as your stranger may refresh themselves. That's what he wants us to do, rest for refreshment. So rest is good, and God wants his people to get refreshment from it. So the second point here is that man gets weary from hard work and needs rest. So, of course, we see that in the curse. Adam and Eve sinned. God cursed them and the earth. The key curse, uh, as far as it applies to work, is the curse of the ground, that um, it's difficult now to get food from the ground. And by the sweat of your brow, you'll work it, you'll get food, but it's very difficult. And we even see Lamech when he has his son Noah saying, I hope that Noah can help me in my work and give me some rest because this is so hard. So man needs rest and God knows that. That brings us to the third principle that God knows man's need and so wants man to rest. And we saw that when we went through uh, the Gospels a week or two ago that Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the sabbath so the idea is that the sabbath is for our good it's for our blessing we need it we need that rest and so that's why it was made it wasn't the opposite way so the sabbath command israel is meant to be a blessing because they needed it it wasn't meant to be a burden even though they kind of made it out to be that and um the sabbath command and so god saw rest is so important that he commanded the israelites to do it commanded his people to do it and um We see that in Exodus 28 through 11. God gave these specific commands to Israel to rest one day of the week and also one year out of seven as well. And there are two reasons that Scripture gives for this rest. First, it's for refreshment, as we already talked about, uh, but also to know that God sanctifies them and remember his rescue. So if you remember, God told them that you're doing this so that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That's in Exodus 31. Then he also told them that when you do this, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commands you to observe the Sabbath day. So this is the rescue that he wanted them to remember, their deliverance out of Egypt. Um, so know and remember was what they were supposed to do as they rested, at least part of it. Know that it was God who sanctified them. He sets them apart from other nations. No other nations had this Sabbath command, by the way. The Israelites were the only ones who ever did it. Um, who rested one day of the week and then remember that God brought them out of slavery from Egypt by his mighty hand and of course there's parallels for us if we want uh, when we rest and we'll talk about this a little bit later um, remember meditate think about God we have these same categories God's the one who sanctifies us right Philippians two twelve through 13 says so then my beloved just as you have always obeyed not in my presence only but m- now much more in my absence Work out your salvation with fear and dribbling, for it is God who is at work in you. So God is the one who sanctifies. And then also, in salvation, God delivers us from slavery, right? We know that from Romans 6. God's the one who delivers us from sin, from slavery to sin. So God commanded Israel to rest. He also promised them to rest from work in the land he would give them. So that's this part B here. promised rest from hard work in the land for Israel. Um, So that's another thing that he... Told them that he would do. He would bring them into the land of milk and honey. Remember, it was it was this land that was supposed to be easy to work. Um, the produce was abundant. It was good. Um, even Leviticus 25:19 uh, says, "Then the land will yield its produce, so that you can eat your fill and live securely in it." So this idea that they can just they can get fat and happy, like there's just so much food, it's not going to be that hard. So God wanted to bring them into this promised land and give them rest from hard work. So that was God's desire for the people of Israel to rest as a nation. We also see that Jesus cared for his disciples and wanted them to rest. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago in Mark 6. Um, Jesus' disciples had been out on their missionary journey. They were healing and and preaching. And they came back to Jesus, and they were just tired. There were still crowds trying to get to them. And they they couldn't even eat. They didn't have time to eat. So Jesus told them to go rest. And he... um, he said three things really come away so leave leave all the crowds um, come by yourselves don't bring people with you and then go to a secluded place So the idea here is that a place where you can really rest where people can't find you um, and you can be refreshed from your hard missionary work so the i think there's a f- no yeah there's a final point here so there, there's also um, a future Sabbath rest with God for believers. And we went over this in Hebrews three. So we can enter God's rest if we hold fast our faith until the end. So these verses compare our, our rest from work in heaven to the rest God took after he created. So we know that God still works today, um, but that he was done with his creating work back at creation after the six days. Um, so in the same way we work from our hard labor in heaven, and this is both hard labor due to the curse that we no longer have because we're glorified, we're in heaven, but also the work of persevering until the end uh, because we completed it. So God cares for his people and wants them to rest from work um, now in this life and also in the life to come in heaven. Uh, Right now we get temporary relief from our work and our temporary rest, but then we'll have eternal rest. So God doesn't just give rest from work. He also gives rest um, from suffering. And so that's our other category that we saw in Scripture. And so I'll, I'll just say now, like when I went into this, I didn't expect to find this necessarily. I, I really My question was, how should we rest from work, right? How should we re, re, get refreshment from work? Not really um, how God gives us rest from suffering, but the, God's Word talks about it, right? Is part of the rest that He gives us. So we're going to go through this, but then the application part really is going to be about rest from work, not rest from suffering. So just give you a heads up on that. Um, so rest from suffering. So God gives relief from suffering, and he gives that in three aspects, physical, emotional, and spiritual. So from physical suffering, he gives rest from enemies, war, turmoil, misfortune. We, we saw this through scripture. Um, God offered rest from their enemies in the promised land, as we mentioned Deuteronomy 12:10 uh, talks about how he's going to give them rest from all their enemies in the land. And they even had rest in the time of Solomon. We see that in 1 Chronicles 22, 9. He says, I'll give him rest from all his enemies on every side for his name shall be Solomon and I'll give him peace and quiet to Israel in his day. In fact, the rest that God gave Israel under Solomon was more than just rest from enemies, their adversaries, but also from misfortunes. So this would include famine, drought. Like all the all the things that could happen to a nation that would make things really difficult. God kept that from them. He blessed them in that way. We also read about David crying out to God to give rest from his enemies. Um, he knew that God was the one who could grant that rest from suffering. And I want to put this before you that God even wants us to pray for this now. So in 1 Timothy two one, he talks about how we should pray um, about our authority. So he says... Uh, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So the idea is that we're, we're praying for our authorities to be saved, but we're also praying that they will treat us well, that we can live a quiet and tranquil life. Um, so there's this idea that our, our authorities can be our enemies. they can make life really difficult but we should pray that that not happen that we have grace in, in their eyes and that we're able to lead the type of life that God wants us to. Um, so there are different ways that he gives rest from physical suffering, he can change your circumstance so he can he can take that enemy out, he can bring that enemy away he can whatever suffering he can take away. Um, but he doesn't have to do that and we'll talk about that um a little later I think uh, but also he can help us rest with comfort so even maybe he doesn't take the suffering away whatever it is but he brings people in our lives um, he brings his word that can comfort us that can h- encourage us that can help us through things and of course we saw that in life of Paul uh, last week um, so God gives rest from physical suffering but also emotional suffering so Psalm 55 describes type of this type of emotional suffering and what you could feel um, so in Psalm 55, there were enemies and pressure from the wicked who brought trouble and uh, bear a grudge against David. Um, so they made him suffer. His heart was in anguish. He had terror of death. The fear, he had fear and trembling. Horror overwhelmed him. So this is kind of a description of that emotional suffering that someone might go through when they're going through trials. Uh, Paul suffered. Again, he was uh, depressed. He was afflicted from every side, conflicts without fears within this idea that he was fearful in his heart. Um, And then, of course, God comforted him by bringing Titus and and also a word that um, that the Corinthians had accepted his letter and repented of their sin. So both of those things comforted him. So we can also God also provides rest from spiritual suffering. So um, and really, you can think about this as rest for your soul. So Jeremiah 6.16 talks about this, if the Israelites would obey God, then he he would give them rest for their souls. Deuteronomy 30 kind of describes what this would have looked like. So he would have restored them from captivity, brought them back to the land, prospered them abundantly in the work of their land, work of their hand, which includes the offspring of your body, your cattle, and in the produce of your ground. He would circumcise their hearts as well. So this is all still future for Israel, it hasn't happened yet. Um, but it would be providing rest for their spiritual suffering. So spiritual suffering is also available from trying to make yourself right with God through legalism, from dealing with your own sin, from guilt, from the fear of judgment that you have, from understanding your sin in light of uh, God's holiness. And so Matthew eleven twenty eight talks about that through thirty. Come to me, all you all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So again, he's offering rest for those who are weary and heavy laden. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who gives rest from spiritual suffering. Remember in Luke 6, 5, he said he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of rest. He is the one that can provide the rest that we need. But we also know that God has a purpose in suffering. We saw this through Job, even though Job didn't know why he was suffering, God had a purpose. And that purpose was to teach Satan something, right? About how God perseveres his saints. Um, And then in James one, two through four, you're all familiar with this verse. Consider it it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God intends our suffering to make us more godly. And so we need to remember that, that it has a purpose, even though it's really difficult. Also, there's a future complete rest from suffering for the people of God. So death is peace for the believer. We will be with God. Revelation 21 talks about how there'll be no more tears, death, mourning, crying, or pain in heaven. So God's gonna take this suffering away from his people um, but we also know that there's no rest from suffering for the unbeliever. So the, the rest that's talked about is not available for the unbeliever eternally. They will instead be cut off from God. That's what Psalm 37, 9 says. And then in 2 Thessalonians 1, um, this passage talks about how it'll, it'll be a comfort for believers when Jesus comes and judges those who afflict them. But for those who comes to judge, it's not going to be so great. It says, the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven and with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. There is no rest for the unbeliever. So that's a quick slide, uh, a quick summary of... Um, of rest from work and rest from suffering in the scriptures. And so I know that was super fast, but I wanted to get to our application stuff. So are there any questions about that or anything before we move on? Okay. Okay, so now we get to the question that I've been wanting to know the answer to, and I know a lot of you have been too, so how how do we rest? Um, So how do we apply this to our own lives? How much should we work? How much should we rest? What are the things that we need to think about? How do, how do we do it? What should we do when we rest? Um, so we're finally here. So, first, and we talked about this last week, there's no prescriptive day or amount of time for the church to rest. So, we see this in Colossians 2.16. So, we're not Israel, we're Gentiles, the church. A Sabbath day's rest is not prescriptive for us. So, Colossians 2.16 says, there's no one. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So we shouldn't be swayed by people who try to convince us that we have to obey the Sabbath, that it's a a command for us. Um, We we can observe it if we want. We don't have to um, because it's not our focus anymore. Our focus is on Christ. So... <clears throat> I'll just say there's disagreement about this. Um, some people say, and, and people in our realm, like Reformed believers, say that we do need to obey the Sabbath, except they, we call them Sabbatarians. So they would say that the Sunday is a new Sabbath. And basically, we need to obey God's commands for the Sabbath on Sunday. Um, so are there any questions about this at all? I'm not necessarily going to be able to answer them, but we can have a discussion about... Um, if you find this difficult or if you have any questions about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it it comes from a connection between um, Old Testament and New Testament or, or uh, Israel and the church, like a stronger connection than we might have, where you say things should just kind of continue as they are first. And then second, because um, we see the, the apostles and the, the church celebrating their worship day being on the Lord's Day on Sunday, they kind of just uh, take that Sabbath and just move it to Sunday. Um, that's the argument I've heard. Um, other, others might have heard a, a different or better argument. Um, but I think that's kind of the gist of it. I mean, they, their hearts in the right place. They, they want to honor God. They want, you know, they, they would see that the Ten Commandments as um, binding for all people because it would express who God is, and, and we would agree with that. And in fact, all all of the Ten Commandments except for the fourth, the Sabbath command, are, are also given through the epistles to the church. So they're all there, um, except for this one. And in fact, we have Colossians too. Um, so that's a good question. There was another, I thought I saw another hand. Okay, um, all right, we'll move on. So. Instead of having this day where we're commanded to rest, instead, we just have to apply wisdom. And this is my wife's favorite answer to questions. When I say it's a wisdom thing, we just have to really think through and apply because it, it's hard. <laughs> it's difficult. Um, we have a lot to think through. And so that's our case here. Um, since you don't have a prescribed day of the week or amount of time, we have to apply wisdom. So whether we're considering rest on the weekend, whether we're going to take a vacation and have like an extended time of rest, whether we're thinking about retirement, um, we need to think through all these things. All those are different types of rest. And so this also means that rest will look differently from believer to believer because we're, we're thinking through all these things, we're thinking through how they apply to our lives and we might come to slightly different conclusions. We might have a different work schedule. We might make a different amount of money. It's just all these things are going to be different So Ephesians five fifteen says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So in verse sixteen it says, Make the most of your time. And so whenever we come to talk about rest and its relationship to work, it comes down to how you spend your time. Right? How 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 much are you gonna work, how much are you gonna rest. And then verse 17 says, well, how do we make the most of our time? Well, we need to understand what the will of God is. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to work through what's the will of God for work? What's the will of God for rest? What's some principles we can apply? And as we've gone along through this series, we have we've talked about some of this and how it applies to us, um, but now we'll kind of just put it all together and you'll have it all in one place. So we don't have a prescribed day of the week to rest. Instead, we apply wisdom. And so um, the, the main kind of steps to go through is your vocational work is first, then you think about your non-vocational work, and then you rest. And so those are the three steps that we'll go through. So first, we work, uh, bef- we work first before rest. So this is, in general, how it goes. And so, how well, the question might be, how much do we work? Can we work uh, four days a week, five days a week? Do we have to work six days a week like the Israelites did? Um, what if we can provide as much as we need and work for three days a week? Okay, so those are all things that we can think through. And um, really, as you'll see, it depends on how you spend that other time, how you spend that non-vocational work time, I'd say, is the main answer to that question. You need to spend it well, wisely. So when we think about our work, when you think about these, these things, so first, we need to provide for ourselves and our family. First Timothy 5.8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So the idea here is that you need to provide for yourself and your family. It's something that um, the husbands are required to do. It's, it's their role. They need to provide for their family. Um, not only should you provide enough for their needs, but you should, also give an, you should also make enough to provide for others' needs outside your family. So Ephesians 4.28 says, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Um, so have enough, make enough so that you can not only provide for your family, but also give to others who need it. And you should also work enough to give comfort to your family and so i think you find this idea in two places the first is matthew 7 about talking about how god gives gives really good gifts to his kids um, to his children to us and um, to kind of prove this matthew says that don't um, earthly fathers give, give give good gifts to their kids and so this idea that it's kind of above and beyond the need um, and you also see that in ephesians 5 um, 28, about husbands and their wives. It says husbands ought to all love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. So the idea is that we should do the same thing for our wives. The idea of cherish is to, to comfort, to make comfortable, to keep warm. The idea is that you're making them comfortable. So there's this extra idea here, too, that we should um, make enough to be able to make our family comfortable. Um, okay, any questions about those few things, about how much we should work? Okay, there's a couple more points here. So first, we should work to prepare for rest. And so, you you know, this is the, the planning part. So, um, work so that you can go on vacation, work so that you can retire if that's a goal. Um, the idea is that you shouldn't, you shouldn't rest if you're not prepared. So we see this in Exodus uh, 16, 22. This is when God provided manna. He asked them to get double the day before, right, so that they could have manna for the Sabbath day. And then also in the sabbatical year, God provided them enough food for three years the year before the Sabbath. They had food for that year, the Sabbath year, and the year after it because their their, um, land wouldn't produce as much because they hadn't been tending it. <clears throat> so this means that being lazy uh, means that you won't have enough to provide for yourself, and in fact, being lazy kind of it, it shifts this order around. So before you know the the normal order is to work and then rest. Being lazy is to rest first. Maybe you never do work, but even if you do, it's it's not going to be enough. You've rest you you were lazy, and you you are gonna. What Proverbs says is that you'll you'll be hungry. You'll suffer hunger, and while that's not. Um, always going to be the case it's a generally it's true if you're lazy if you don't work you won't have enough to provide for yourself Um, okay so the other thing that we should um, think about as far as our work is that we should be satisfied in it and so this this has implications both for your work as well as as you go into your rest Um, so for your work you need to know when to stop Um, You need to think about are you storing up treasures uh, on earth instead of on heaven? Um, Are your eyes never satisfied with riches? That's what Ecclesiastes talks about for the the man who just works and works and works. He's just never satisfied. He wants more and more and more. Um, And so he just continues to work. Um, So you need to know instead that both work and the provision that you get from that work is from God. And that we can enjoy the fruits of our work. So Ecclesiastes 2.24 says, There is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that it is from the hand of God. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him? For to a person who is good in his sight, he has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. While to this sinner, he has given the task of gathering and collecting so that he may give to one who is good in God's sight. This too is vanity and striving after wind. So we should be satisfied in our work. <clears throat> so can you think of any attitudes that you need to have to be able to do this, to be able to be satisfied in your work, and even the provision that we get from it? And and the, the way this relates to work is that a lot of times, or rest, a lot of times when you rest, you'll be enjoying those provisions that you, you gained from your work. So how can we foster um, being satisfied in that? In the in the work and the provision and the rest that that provision provides, what should be our attitudes? Yeah. 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 Being thankful to God. He's the one that. Um, made our work successful. He's the one that provided the, the resources through our work for us. And so we need to be thankful to him. Yep. Can you think of anything else, Patrick? Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. So um, rest might look different for different people, as I think what you're saying. So if your job is physically demanding, you're probably not going to want to go uh, run a marathon for your rest, right? But but if your work is something where you're sitting all the time, if you're if it's mentally taxing, then physical activity might be what, what gives you rest, what gives you refreshment. Um, Something to maybe get your mind off of all the stuff that you've been thinking about uh, during the week about about work, right? Yeah, I agree. Stephen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely joy, Craig. Um, Yeah, yeah, definitely being content with the things that God gave you, not looking at your neighbor and wanting what they have, uh, being content. <coughs> okay, so, um, yeah, so that's working before we rest. So after we do our... Hold on, I lost my place here. Um, after we we work our vocational work, um, we can't just go straight into rest because there's other things that we have to think about. And this is what what I call non-vocational work, but consider your work beyond your vocational work. So after you have, um, you know, worked, gotten your paycheck, what do you do after that? And so there's a lot here. And all this non-vocational work is still work in the sense that it's effort, it's hard, um, it needs to get done. A lot of it's commanded. Um, and so there might be a lot of people in this room that through this whole study, I've been sitting and thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not doing vocational work. I'm, I'm a child, and my parents are doing all of that, and they provide for me. Or I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I'm doing a lot of work, but my husband's the one that's out there working to pay the bills. And so all that would fall under here. So there's still requirements, there's still things that you need to do, still things you need to think about um, before you rest. And so the first thing that you need to do is consider your role, consider who you are, and then think through what scripture tells you you need to do. Um, So are are you a wife or a mom? Well, Titus 2, 4 through 5 talks about um, what you should do. You should love your husbands, love your children, be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to your own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. So there's a long list of things that are work that you do. And you can go to the the, uh, women's study to find out more about that. Um, Are you a husband or a father? Right? God's word tells you what to do. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. The idea is that you're giving yourself up for your wife. You're sacrificing for your wife. That's work. Um, if you're a father, don't pro- provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This takes work. The discipline's work. Um, bringing them up in instruction is work. If you're a child, you need to obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, Ephesians 6.1 says. Honor your father and mother. So doing what you, your parents tell you to do is work, and it takes time. And you need to do this before you go play. Um, which I think play is rest for kids. They need that, um, that physical activity that's rest to them. So are you a believer? If you're a believer, there's a whole lot of work that we need to do. Um, you need to work to know God. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we need to work by reading scripture, we need to work by coming to church and hearing his word preached. We need to work by thinking about what we're hearing and how that applies to our lives. We need to work also in doing the one another's. So loving each other, encouraging one another, have compassion on one another, greet one another, do good to one another, offer hospitality, serve one another, and on and on and on. So all these things take time, their work, their effort, They're things that we're commanded to do as believers. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. The idea is that we we want to keep doing good. We don't want to stop. We don't want to cease doing that. We always want to be doing good. So if you're a believer, you're also working to fight sin, uh, to put off sin and then put on righteousness. Galatians 3, 5 through 6 talks about this. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him a renewal in which there's no distinction between greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised uncircum- barbarian Scythian, slave and free man but christ is all in all so the idea here is that we're going to be putting off sin and putting on righteousness and this is really hard work if you're a believer and you've, you've gone through this you know this takes a lot of effort um, these are all things that we should be doing So consider your role. After you're done with your vocational work, consider your role. What other work should you be doing because of your role and do that? The other thing that you should consider is your ministry. And so this would really fall under if you're a believer, um, but I just want to highlight this. So consider your ministry. So what are you doing in the church? What are your gifts? Are you using them to serve others? So gifts can be in, in two big categories either speaking or serving we see in 1 Peter 4 11 it says whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God whoever serves is to do as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus so if you're a believer and you have these gifts which God gives all believers um, you need to be using them in the church for the building up of the body and 1 Corinthians 12 talks about Um, gifts and how we should use them and that there are a variety of gifts, um, a variety of ministries, um, but they're all for the common good, right? They're all for the good of the church. So we should be using these gifts in the church. And so that's another way that we're working. It's another way that we're working. So any questions about this, how we rest non-vocationally or how we work non-vocationally before we rest? I think your question is, when will I have time to rest if I'm considering all this? Is that your question? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a good question. Um, And so there's a principle that we talked about in the Old Testament, how how we need to rest even, or God told Israel to rest even if it's during the harvest time. Even if there's all this work to do, still rest. Um, So it's the same for us, I think. Even though there's still stuff to do, we still need to find time to do it. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't expect you to do everything. I mean, the, the, I think I can speak for the elders. We don't expect everyone to be at everything every time the doors are open. Um, and a lot of times we'll do different things because we know that some people can't do something at a certain time and this other thing they can they can take advantage of. And so, um, but yeah, that's, that's a good, good comment. Someone, was there another hand, Greg? Um, we'll get into that a little bit maybe I'm going through my notes here so there's you know we saw how Paul got rest in different ways right so he got rest by hearing um, by being with other believers who encouraged him Um, also rest by he took joy in the news that others were repenting and so there's, there is that sense where you have that rest, but that is really a little bit more rest from suffering versus rest from work. Um, yeah, I mean, I would, you know, when Paul was in jail, he was probably resting, right? Um, there's there's gonna be periods in our lives probably where we, we don't get a whole lot of rest and, um, and periods where we do. And so I'd say it's a wisdom issue. And depending on what, you know, what your are Sorry, sorry, Ryan, (coughs) depending on your circumstance, right, you'll you want to kind of look at that. I I do think that um, the idea that rest is for refreshment built into that is that you're getting refreshing so that you can work again the next day, right? Because that's what they did. They rested one day and then they worked the next. So that is the idea. You're you're taking this rest and refreshment so that you can continue working. Um, And so I think if you think about it that way, there there should be a priority. Um, So Paul didn't do that his whole life, right? There was a season for that. And so we should think about it the same way. If if there's a season in our life where we have a big push, like we have to do work, we're not going to get much rest. Um, We need to make sure eventually we do take some rest or else we're going to get burned out. We're not going to be able to work. I think that's the idea. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, maybe the, all the tent making that Paul was doing was a lot of physical activity and that gave him a little bit of rest. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would fall in the camp where I, my job is is mentally demanding and I'd sit. I mean, I don't, I don't, it's not very physical. And so I find rest in doing physical things and it, it's what refreshes me. Um, but at the same time, I do think there's a place for, for just sitting, for just, for being still, for taking some time, um, to rest. And so we're going to talk about that, uh, before the, the the class ends. (laughs) Okay. So after we do that, after we do our vocational work, after we consider all our roles and ministry and do that work, then we rest. Okay. And so, um, even if there's still work to do. So this requires some trust that God is going to take care of us, that it's OK if we don't do that work, if we put it off for a little bit. Um, and so here's some things that we should be doing when we rest. The, the first is that we should be getting refreshed because that's what rest is for. Rest is for refreshment. That's the main goal. We see that in Exodus 31:17. 17. God um, did it and we should do it as well. Um, Paul knew this. He hoped again for refreshment from the Roman believers when he went there. He said in Romans 15, 13, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Um, So again, this refreshment is to be ready to work again. It has has a purpose. It has an end goal to be rejuvenated, to have the energy to go back to work. Um, That's its value. So while we're resting, we should rest for enjoyment, Um, So I mentioned Ecclesiastes, Um, it talks about in Ecclesiastes 4a, there was a certain man without a dependent, having neither a son nor a brother, yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked. And for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity and is a grievous task. So I just want to highlight the idea here that um, enjoyment of things, pleasure is Okay. Um, a lot of times we we shy away from that word, and I think there's good reason for that. Um, but we can we can take pleasure appropriately in things. We can enjoy the gifts that God's given us. So Second Timothy three one uh, talks about this type of pleasures and a self-indulgent idolization of it. So Second Timothy three one says. Um, in the last days difficult times will come for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal haters of God, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And so we shouldn't be like this. we shouldn't be lovers of pleasure or that''s, that's all that's our goal, that's what we're trying to do. that's what we're working for. We just want pleasure, we want rest, we want, to enjoy all the things that god's given us and not do the other things that he's told us to do like work um, that's not what we should do that's not how we th- should think about pleasure instead we should think about it the way first timothy 6 17 through 19 talks about it it says instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to be fixed or to fix their hope on the uncertainties of riches but on god who richly supplies us all who richly Supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of what, of that which is life indeed. Um, so it's so we should take pleasure, we should enjoy the things that God has gives that, that God's given us, but we should also do good. We should be rich in good works. Right? We should be generous and ready to share all these one another things that we should be doing. Uh, so the third thing that we should think about as we rest is to rest and meditate. Um, and so we saw this as being something that the Israelites did when they rested. God told them to know something when they did it to remember something when they did it. And so when we rest, we should take that time to do the same thing. So um, when we're working, in our vocational work, depending, uh, I understand sometimes your work allows you time to, to think about things. If you have maybe a menial task or something like that, you can. If you're, if you're driving a lot, maybe you can listen to sermons and think about things. So, this isn't for all, for all work, but a lot of work you can't you can't focus on meditating on God because your mind is fully engaged in something else. Um, and a lot of times with the non-vocational work as well, like you know. Uh, a stay at home mom with young kids. I mean, she'll tell you how hard it is to, to think about God's word and have any time just to meditate, right? Because they're taking care of the kids. Um, so I think this is something that's important to do, because normally during our other times, we don't have time to do it. Our vocational time, vocational work times. Um, so Colossians 3.1 talks about setting your mind on things above. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up in Christ, with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seating at the right, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So take this extra time to do that, to set your mind on things above. Um, take the time to renew your mind, where Romans 12, two talks about, not, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. So the idea is transform yourself, renew your mind, meditate on God's word, Think about what it says. And so in that sense, become more holy, become more like God. Take, take that rest time, the time when you're not working to do that. Um, you should also rest and be ready to do good. Um, so ready, be ready to do good while you rest. So Galatians 6.9 says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So this, do good to everybody. Your priority is on the church, but in general, do good to everybody. And this was also Jesus' response to the, to the Pharisees, who kept telling him, you, you shouldn't be healing people on the Sabbath. Remember what he said. So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So it's always good to do good. It's always right to do good. Um, so we should be ready to, to do good as well when we rest. We shouldn't, um, we shouldn't be selfish, in a sense, with our rest time. We should also rest with the right attitude. So don't be selfish with your rest. Don't act like the Pharisees. Remember Jesus said, um, if you had known what this means, I desire compassion, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. Um, so show mercy to people. Um, thinking of others first, love them. And then the final thing that we should be thinking about is that in our rest, we should have a hope of the future rest. And so if you think about rest, holy is this um, God's providing this foreshadowing almost of what heaven will be like. It's a reprieve from the impact of the curse on our life is this rest that he wants his people to have. And it's a foreshadowing of that eternal rest that we talked about in Hebrews 4. Um, Hebrews 4 9 says so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his therefore let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through, through following this same example of disobedience so we should be diligent to enter that rest this final rest of course we do that by holding fast our faith in Christ until the end um, but have joy Think about that when we rest. Think about the, the final rest that we will have. Um, the rest where we, we will be done for good with the hard labor that is uh, that the curse caused. Um, that we will be with God. Think about those things as you rest. Okay, so that's the things that we should think about, our attitudes that we should have as we rest. So if we have a few minutes. Are there any questions about any of this Yeah Yeah so what like what Patrick was saying about um Depending on what your work looks like and depending on, I mean, there's probably um, thinking about what you enjoy and then um, how you, how you feel refreshed, right? If, if whatever you're doing to rest does that and gets you ready for your work later, that's the goal, right? That's what rest, rest is refreshment to keep working. Think about that way, rest is refreshment to keep working. Um, so if in your rest it's refreshing you to keep working, then I think I think it's good. We should sit still and like read the Bible and pray and stuff like that. <laughs> Any other questions? Brian? You mentioned retirement Yep- <laughs> So I don't see that in scripture. I mean, I don't think retirement—the idea is, there might be one example. Jim might remember about the priests or something retiring. They taught the other, the younger priests, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the only maybe example you could point to. But no, the the reason that I put this here is because it's it's part of our culture, right? It's not necessarily a sin. I don't think it's a sin to retire. But it could be, so you need to think through all these things before you retire. So what are you going to do after you retire? What are you going to, first of all, be prepared to do it, right? So have have the money to provide for yourself, your family, and give as well before you retire. So that's kind of why I put it in there. Uh, But then also consider what you're going to do. So if if you're going to retire to get in your RV, uh, leave here, not serve in a church, uh, just be disconnected and, you know, live your best life now type of thing. It's not, you shouldn't retire. Like, that's selfish. It's not what God tells you to do. If you're retiring to to use all that extra time to serve God and serve His people and to, to do good, then retire, right? So I think that those are the things we have to think through. So, so any rest, if it's rest on the weekend, uh, if it's rest for vacation, if it's rest for retirement, I think all... All these steps, all these things to consider appropriate for any of those types of rest. Craig? Yeah, do you have any particular thoughts on somebody who is considering or in something like medical school in like residency or full-time work, full-time school, where they're just, I mean, they're just going around the clock, right? Taking care that sleep is you know for a season or any, any particular things for someone Yeah, so I would so um Thinking about how long they can do that realistically would be one thing. So, at what point do you have to get refreshment to continue? Because I mean, people do that and they burn out and they just don't finish. Um, I'd also say that it's okay to get a B on a test. It's okay to get. It's okay to not finish your homework. Like so, for example, um, a couple of days ago, Evangeline was doing her math homework. And it's one of those things where you have to keep doing the questions so you get 75% right. So she sees her meter, and she get one wrong and it go back, and she go a little bit more than it go back. And she knew how to do the work, like I was helping her. Um, But she was so discouraged, she was crying. It was past her bedtime, and so it's okay to say, "Look, you're done. You can be done. You know, you logically know how to do this, and um, it's it's enough, (laughs) right?" And so I think we need to know how to say that. Like we can be perfectionists and we shouldn't be in our work. We need to be able to say um, when enough is enough. And so even even at times where, you know, it seems like every hour of the day is taken up, you can still take an hour here and there and, and rest. Um, and so I think we can do that even in the really busy times. Um, it's like, yeah. Any other questions? We have zero minutes. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> Bridget bet that I couldn't finish my notes. <laughs> OK, so I'll, I'll pray for us and we can be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for your word. And I, I just pray that you do give us wisdom um, as we think about how we should rest. Give us wisdom about our work if we uh, lazy and don't work enough I pray that you convict us and uh, give us the the motivation to work appropriately if we work too much I pray that you would help us examine our hearts help us to ask why um, and and, and help us to to value rest as a as a refreshment for us to continue to work for the long haul to, to be able to persevere till the end and also just looking at the rest that you have for us at our end as believers Uh, Help us to hope in that. Help us to look forward to that and, and be thankful for all of your blessings and your rest. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.